everybody, I'm Nathaniel. And I'm Liz. And you are listening to the Tough Like a Girl podcast, where we take a look at graphic novels and trade collections with female protagonists. And this time, we, ha we haven't had a team book in a while. Yeah. So we are taking a look at the first volume of DC Bombshells, titled Enlisted. Uh, this collects actually quite a few issues. I should have... Yeah. I should have noted how many issues it actually was, but it... Yeah, they switch up the names between, like, Enlisted and then I think it's Combat. It's Enlisted and then it's Combat, and each one of them has three sections, so I would think that's a full six issues, which is pretty good for a trade. Um, but I'm also not not 100% on that. Um, there's a, quite a few artists, um, because a lot of these, I'm, you know were being cranked out pretty quickly, but they were all written by Marguerite Bennett. Um, art uh, looks like it's primarily credited to Marguerite Savage, so it m the other people might have been either assisting or doing covers. It's not specified here. But the other credited artists are Laura Braga, Stephen Mooney, Ted Nifa, Gary Brown, uh, Bilquis Eveli, Mirka Adolfo, Ming Doyle, Sandy Jarrell, M.L. Sanapo, and Mark Deering. So, if you haven't heard of DC Bombshells, this is, this is a reimagining of DC Universe superheroines mm -hmm. in a World War II setting. Mm -hmm. So we're dealing with some of the best-known and most iconic female heroes from DC, but they are basically all fighting Nazis. Yes. And this first volume covers... This This first volume does mostly establishing stuff. Establishing who the characters are we're dealing with, where they're coming from, and where their place in all this is. Mm -hmm. They're not even really truly properly assembled as a team yet by the end of this book. Some of them are. Some of them but have there's a, up. There's yeah. a bunch of them who are still operating independently and don't even know the others yet. But the, mm -hmm. everybody gets established as well as the threat gets established in this. So, as is often the case with the superhero stuff, I'm sure you probably have a complaint that it doesn't have a proper conclusion, which is always the case because it's ongoing. Yeah, it definitely left in the middle of things. I didn't really ma mind so much. I'm starting to get You're start used to it. I was going to say, I was starting to wonder how long it was going to be before you properly got used to that. I thought, she might be there. Yep. Yeah. No, I'm kind of used to that by now. I get it. Um, yeah. So, I'll, I'll just start off. I Go for it. I liked it. I didn't love it. Um, there were definitely certain characters and storylines I liked better. Um, the art was okay. Some things were better than others. I feel like sometimes the faces were weird. There, there was some odd stuff, like and like some, angles and shadowing. Yeah, the the stylization. I mean, this might be partly due to the fact that there are so many artists credited on this, but like the stylization isn't always consistent, mm -hmm. which means that sometimes you just feel like characters are off model versus what you were seeing before. And yeah, sometimes like they're just some. It's not. It's not. It's all informed by. Obviously, the pinup style of the 40s, yeah. so it's consistent in that. It's consistent in design, but in execution, it's kind of, it kind of wavers the art as it goes through. Mm -hmm. The other thing that I kept finding annoying, mm -hmm. and I don't know how much of a problem this would have been in the issues themselves, maybe it would have flowed better, but in the book, it kept going back and forth between 
pages where you're supposed to read the top panels. Oh yes, that of annoyed one page. me. I was like, wait, where am I? What? Yeah, and then you continue across the, to to the adjoining page, and then you do that full across. But then it'll go back to you no, you're just doing this one page. And I would find myself skipping stuff or like getting. It kept flipping back and forth between doing that, and that was throwing me off and annoying me. Yeah, I it threw me off a couple times. Like I was like, this doesn't make sense. Oh wait, I'm supposed to read here now. Okay. Yeah. The, the visual flow from panel to panel is, and it's not that either one is bad. I just wish they'd picked one to use consistently. Yeah. They either consistently needed to spread, needed to have the panels progression be across the full two, two pages. pages, or it needed to be restrained to the one page. They needed to stop flipping back and forth. Yeah, and that was confusing. Um, so yeah, the, that's the technical issues. Again, um, so the characters I really liked following were... Um, Katie Kane, and then... So Batwoman. Batwoman. And then, um... Harley. Harley was a lot Harley of fun. Harley was a nice... Holy she was cow. kind of came in in the middle and was just chaotic. Well, fun. that's... And I think the book kind of needed that because since it it is set in World War II, it's a, it's a bleak setting. Like, mm -hmm. horrible stuff is going on. And I think, for the most part, the book treats that with the gravity it deserves. It's not... Yeah, I mean... Some, it's still a fantasy superhero yes, thing, but yes, yeah, it's but a more serious story. Considering, you know, that it's dealing with a fictional equivalent of what was a real world horror, it's fairly heavily toned. And then Harley shows up and singing Christmas carols and writing bombs and yeah. and immediately falling in love with Ivy because she's green and Harley likes green. So it's <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Harley Harley was a was a nice breath of fresh air. Yeah, she was. But let let's I'm going to kind of go through some the of the characters some line. of the characters yeah. we've got here. So you mentioned Kate Kane, so we have Batwoman who uh -huh. here wheels a baseball bat. Yeah. She's kind of a league of their own kind of look yes. for her. Yes. Yep. Which, um, I enjoyed her, and which I enjoyed I've seen people Maggie Sawyer. I've seen a lot of these versions of heroes get cosplayed, including by some of our friends. They're really, they're this really is, fun. This to would see. be a fun thing to base cosplay after. Oh yeah, definitely. Okay. I can see how that happens. So we've also got Wonder Woman. So okay, can I can I go into my issues with that? I with need, Wonder Woman. Yeah, go for it. I need a story that doesn't do the whole like. You know, Steve Trevor crashes and she meets him. Because this is like, I've seen the movie. I've read that other volume of Wonder Woman where yeah. that happens. This is the third time I'm getting that. And I'm like, I'm kind of done with this story. I honestly, And it's had slight variations each time. But I'm like, it's like one of those things where it's like, stop you if stop me if you've heard this one. And I'm like, I'm going to stop actually for a minute. And I kind of walked away from the book for a while. Because I'm like, I'm just, honestly, I need Wonder yeah. Woman Something different with her. And Mira showed up, and then I was fine. That really helped. Mira always helps her, like, appearances in this. I Mi really liked Mira her. Mira was great. Um, I'm, I want to come back to her, but so on Wonder Woman, I actually completely agree with you. I had this, reading this, I grew on me over time, but the beginning was a slog once it hit the Wonder Woman section for pretty much the exact same reason. I know this story. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, most readers know this story. So I find it very odd that they recreated it as completely as they did. Mm -hmm. Because most of the other characters, they either don't bother with their origins or they just reference them mm 
-hmm. and we're just dealing with them as is. It's strange to me that the one character they decided to give the more complete origin story to is the one with the best known origin. It's like having a Justice League book where the only origin you go into detail on is Batman's. We all know Batman's origin. Let's see the pearl break again. (laughs) Talk about Cyborg. I don't know. But it, it does feel like that kind of thing. That said, one of the details that they had in here that I did appreciate, again, I wish they hadn't done they hadn't done Wonder Woman's story this way. I did appreciate that with Steve, they did a pretty full-on portrayal of PTSD. Yeah, they did a good job of that, and that's what made him a little different, but I also was like, I don't need this story again. No, I, I agree. And and it kind of and I love Diana normally as a character, but it kind of made her one of the weak points of this because she was she was the most like her real world counterpart not in characterization because they're all pretty much consistent with characterization of how they are in the main line but like in narrative like i've seen this character in this story before and in Mm -hmm. fact more often than not when this story has been done straight it is also in or around this time period Mm -hmm. so it's not even novel for that yep yeah yeah, so that was that was probably the weaker link. Um, I also didn't really love the Stargirl, Supergirl stuff, partially. I mean, like, I've seen Supergirl and other things, but this was such a different version of her that I wasn't used to it, and it didn't... Yeah, what they did with Supergirl was, and I, I didn't love it, but I also found the angle very interesting because it has... Kara, Supergirl, and her mm-hmm. sister, who ends up taking on the mantle of Stargirl, mm-hmm. they are Soviet mm-hmm. fighters, which I think was interesting considering that the Soviet end of things, at least in Western fiction, often gets ignored. Like, maybe we'll right. talk about how stupid the Nazis were to take on the Russian front, and that's about it. So mm-hmm. I was, I did appreciate that entire element of the war being brought in mm-hmm. through them. But yeah, their actual story is, again, not one of the most um, compelling um, or, and they're not the best characters. Now you mentioned Mara. <laughs> Mara gave me a slight Seahawk vibe from She-Ra. <laughs> Actually, she had with she, her little dolphin. Well, not only with, with the dolphins, but she's like, I was going to say to adventure. <laughs> I know. She was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed her. And she actually made me care a little more about the Wonder Woman story when she showed up. I was like, oh, I can deal with this now. Mira's here. Well, it becomes, it also becomes one of those things that like, I'm not sure I like you. Oh, but you're friends with her. Okay. And she likes you. So, okay. That boosts you a little. <laughs> it's, it, it's a, it's, it's a lift by association. Yes. <laughs> sort of thing. Um, we've got Amanda Waller, yep, who uh, is heading up the, the the so the bombshells is actually an organization that is fighting the Nazis that is made up of women, with Amanda Waller heading it, and it is the um, the the heavy set brick wall version of Amanda Waller, which I prefer. I really hate when they redesigned her skinny and young. It will never stop taking me off. Um, who else we got? Oh, we've got, we've got Zatanna. Who I don't know well. I liked her. I was intrigued by her. I kind of wanted more of her. Zatanna is an interesting character. And this is, okay, so they pair Zatanna with John Constantine, which they've also (laughs) Oh, yes, I forgot. She was, yes. Okay. Okay, this I also like. Okay. So in the comics, like, Zatanna was her own thing for a very long time. And so was Constantine, actually, because he was, um, he was a vertigo 
title, which was mm, which yep. was the same thing that did Sandman and whatnot. Mm -hmm. he, so he wasn't integrated into the proper DC universe for a long time. Mm -hmm. When he was, the dynamic they set up between him and Zatanna is basically John Constantine is Zatanna's embarrassing ex. <laughs> it's the one that, like, she had fun, but she looks back and just goes, oh, God, what was I thinking? And I love that they bring that dynamic on board here uh -huh. between the two of them. So, okay, so Zatanna, and they retain her gimmick, too, because Zatanna's whole thing is she's a stage magi magician, mm -hmm. except she does real, real magic. magic. Yeah. Um, I got that. Yeah. And, and she turns John Constantine into a rabbit, and he stays a rabbit for the rest of the book, and he's sitting back, smoking a cigarette, giving her lip as this little fluffy blonde oh, rabbit. Oh, my gosh. He's great. Uh, that was, like, a highlight of it. That was good stuff. Their interactions. Um, Trying to figure out what's going on with the rabbit. <laughs> Wisecracking, smoking rabbit. The rabbit was great. Um, we You mentioned Harley, and Harley was... That was a big highlight, definitely, mm -hmm. for me. Um, we also get Poison Ivy that yes. way. Yep. Um, we get uh, Catwoman. Yes. She's kind of brought into um, Batwoman's story. Yeah. And so she's sort of a... Sort of a duchess-type... Um, countess, in, I think. Countess, yeah, something like countess. that. Yeah. Um. So. And they also bring in. I don't know if you would have known that this is actually a character, and not something they made up. Um. So the Joker's daughter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't know. That is remember. that is actually a thing. Uh -huh. It's. <sighs> boy. Oh, boy. Oh, God. Trying to explain this character is really difficult. It is debatable whether or not she is, in fact, the offspring of the Joker. Like, in the main comics. Mm -hmm. But she certainly claims to be. And she's also nuts and yeah, terrifying. And, and obsessed with the Joker, probably. So, yeah. Yeah. And they 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 do a lot of close-ups on her hideously did, you know, stained and jagged teeth, and it's like, oh god, ah. like I have, I have a thing about rotted teeth, and yeah, they like showing those. Yeah, I'm thinking of the the Joker and Suicide Squad and his teeth, and oh, those were that. just ridiculous. The, yeah, but these th are this, these are pretty. This is unsettling, like especially because of how much they clash with everything. Because I mean, like, yes, she's very pale, and you know, she's got. The, the red hair, but she's otherwise done up in pinup style. She's in a corset and garter and all this stuff. And, and you know, expertly applied lipstick. But then there's those teeth. And it's like some, like, all of this is a put-together look and then there's that. And it's actually, I find it visually unsettling. Which it's probably supposed to be. I, I, and then I look at yes, Constantine it, Bunny and I'm I, like, I want to pet. <laughs> I turn to a page with the Constantine Bunny, so now she's distracted. Uh -huh. Um... And we sort of establish, um, like, how we're upping the the Nazi threat, which in these kinds of stories you pretty much always have to do. Because mm -hmm. if you're introducing superheroes to fight for the good guys, they have to be battling something other than just Nazis. Yeah, zombie be Nazis. Yeah, so we have zombie Nazis. Um, and that is... There's, like, a monster. Yeah, and... Joker. Uh, Tenebris the Binder. Yes. Who I... Tenebrae is what the zombie Nazis are called? Is yes. that right? Yeah. yeah. So I don't... I've never heard of this character. So I don't know if he's new for this story or if they found 
a lesser known demon character from the main line to use, but it's it's no pretty yeah. decent, I think, because the whole way that that's laid out is that basically certain higher ups in the Nazis have cut a deal with this thing, and it and it's very obviously going to go bad for them even if they win mm. because of the deal they've cut with this thing. But for right now, it's like, cool, bring me your dead and they'll fight again. <laughs> and it's it, it it works for me. It works as a good overarching threat because, like I said, we have the Joker's daughter and she is threatening, but she is also one person. She's not, mm-hmm. a, she doesn't command a force. Mm-hmm. So this kind of injects some supernatural abilities into the Nazis overall. Yeah, it did and it didn't work for me, the supernatural elements mm-hmm. of it. Um, like, I get that they needed a bigger threat, but I was also kind of like... I kind of liked just the, like, the beginning part with like Batwoman fighting in America with her bat and stuff. And I like Harley riding her missiles. I think I liked the more yeah weird but somewhat realistic non-supernatural elements of it so oh i almost forgot we get the huntress towards the end oh is that who that that's who that is who's leading the what is it the german youth resistance or something like that Mm -hmm. um but she literally shows up at the very end and we've got various characters who who makes her appearance yeah lex luthor pops up and you know there's there's characters sporadically here and there oh big barda i god how did i almost forget big barda um but, and they kind of pop up, but I kind of agree with you, like, and this probably wasn't viable to do, mm-hmm. um, in terms of what was realistic as far as what it was going to cost them. But, like, my preference as a reader mm-hmm. would have been if some, not necessarily all, but if the more unique takes on these had their own independent titles... Mm. rather than all having to immediately share space in the team book. Like, I would totally read a Batwoman comic that is just this this female baseball player going out and cracking heads with a baseball bat in yep. her off hours. Yep. Or I would totally read... Cause it, also because the Maggie story, yes. storyline was pretty hot. They were, yes. Cool. They, were, they, were very, they were very good together. Or, like, I would totally read... Harley. Har- Harley and Ivy. I would totally read Mira on her own. Oh, yeah, Mira in a heartbeat. I was like, Mira was kind of the best part of the Wonder Woman storyline in my book. Yeah. And honestly, when she showed up in the... I actually... You know what? That... In both cases, she showed up in the two weaker storylines, and I instantly was like, yep, she's here. I like this better. Okay. Because <laughs> she showed up for Supergirl and Stargirl as well, and I yep. was like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> she, she, is the, she is the spice to make, to make it whatever we're dealing with better. Yeah. But like, I kind of wish I got to spend more time with... Z- or, or like Zatanna and Rabbit Constantine. I, oh, would, I would read yeah. that book for a year, yeah. happily. Yeah. But... Sort of immediately forcing them to all share space, mm-hmm. kind of short shrifts some of them. But again, knowing that it wasn't realistic to give these characters yeah. solo, these takes solo titles right off the bat, mm-hmm. I can't actually have expected that. It's just, as a reader, I would have preferred that. Yeah. But by the time I was done, I was having fun with it. Yeah. It wasn't, I, again, it wasn't, I didn't love it. I liked it okay. Um, And there were definitely... Some technical elements that we had with it, and yeah. definitely but stronger storylines. But it was it made for a fun read overall, and like I did kind of like the pinup 
feel and vibe to it. I, I, I do like, like the designs. The actual art is a little off, but I do like the design work. Yeah. I was like, there's no way that pinup curl stays in their hair. <laughs> like their hair is so good. So at first it took me a while to get used to that. And then I was like, okay, this is the way it is. Well, like, that's because you have style. the burden of knowledge. You know from experience that that crap falls out immediately. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Those, yeah. Does not stay in. Yeah. So like... That's that's one of those things you just kind of have to give that artistic license <laughs> a little bit. Um, but this is the kind of thing where, like, I didn't love it, but and this is not me saying it's going to be on the docket, but I do kind of want to read the next volume to see what it does now that all this groundwork is done. Yeah, I'd be willing to try it. I mean, like, not right away, but eventually, yeah, probably yeah. on their own. Like, it, it's the kind of thing where in and of itself, I'm like, that was okay, but I do kind of want to see what they do now that they've laid, now that they've set everything up mm -hmm. so but i guess that puts it in kind of a but about a middling overall for both of us for yeah. this volume specifically yeah. i think we're both down for the concept but mm -hmm. there were there were some execution and issues honestly on this. like i mean we always talk about like well this is a world war have we we've heard like most world war ii stories this is one we haven't heard partially yeah. because it's fictional well yes uh, well obviously because it's <laughs> fictional but yeah i mean but that being said, too, I kind of want to see these characters in, like, other settings, too, or other time periods. Yeah. Like, how could they mess up Elizabethan England or the <laughs> Vietnam War or something like that? Oh, my like God. That. What would an Elizabethan Harley be like? So much fun I now, is what she would be like. I now need that in my life. Yeah. Yep. If nothing else, I'm going to Google to see if anyone's ever cosplayed that. Cause... That would be awesome. Oh. So I'm going to go Google that, folks, and then uh, you can listen to a promo, and we'll be back with listener <laughs> feedback. You are receiving this transmission from The Rod Pod. Upload pending. Stand by for soundtrack transfer. I am Maggie. And I am John. And we are trapped, hurtling through space in a ship shaped like Rodimus's head. The ship, for reasons we haven't been able to determine, contains the entire run of the IDW Transformers Phase 2 comic, which chronicle the events following the end of the war between the Autobots and Decepticons. So we figure we may as well read them all in order and report our findings to you. Stand by. Stand by. Upload complete now. The Rod Pod. Look for us at marriedwcomics.libsyn.com at iTunes, at Stitcher, or wherever good podcasts can be found. So, uh, till all are one. Till all are one. Till all are one. <laughs> oh. Yep, it definitely exists. Oh. It's been cosplayed. Success, folks. Elizabethan Harley Quinn is a cosplay thing, if nothing else. So that makes me happy. That is way more clothes than I usually see Harley Quinn in, too. <laughs> That's actually a nice balance for once, to be honest. <laughs> well, it's funny that she's like that now because she was originally in the full-body jumper. Oh, that's true, so it's yeah. it's funny that, she, that 
they often have her showing so much skin. We're off topic already. Hi, we're back. Listener feedback. Um, so this, we had two comments on the previous episode where we reviewed The Prince and the Dressmaker. Mm -hmm. uh, you want to take the first one? Yes. Rachel says, preemptive excited cheer for DC bombshells, my favorite recent DC property. So I absolutely adored The Prince and the Dressmaker and didn't have any of the reservations either of you did. I'm glad you covered it, though. I fully encourage more queer and romantic reads. Love only makes you stronger and happy pride. Yay, pride! Yay! Thank you very much, Rachel. Um, yeah, it was it was kind of nice to get that out. Like, and... Nor I hadn't planned on that episode going out at the very last date of May. It should it, it was originally planned to go sooner, but it was kind of nice that it basically made coincided with made Pride. it lead directly into Pride Month the next day. So that that was nice. Um, and then Tim Price, what a fascinating story. Growing up is hard enough for everyone. Trying to figure out who you really are, the extra burden of already knowing who you are and knowing that others won't accept it, heartbreaking. The Prince slash Lady going through that makes for a great graphic novel. It's going on my long list of to-read <laughs> items. All the more so uh, from it sounding so true to you, Nathaniel slash Vera. Also got to say, I'm psyched you're doing bombshells. I bought a few on Comixology sales, but haven't gotten around to reading them. Of course, it'll just be my luck. I won't have the exact series you cover, but I can hope. Thanks for uh, increasing my reading list even more, punchers. Sigh. Until next time. Thank you, Tim. Um, yeah. Now that I that was... That was a good read. That was... that. I mean, maker. we both had our little niggling things, but that I was it's an really... Book. I was really glad to have read that, and it, it really was a wonderful thing to... Because after we recorded that, I went to things like Goodreads and whatnot to see, and like so many people not only saying that they loved it, but that their kids read it and loved it. I'm like, that. It's. Oh, thank you. My goodness. understanding, um, the health teacher borrowed it for me because she's doing a whole identity unit and was looking at other. Um, she had some books, um, transgendered picture books as well, but. Um, I don't know how it did with our kids or who read it yet, but in general, what I've heard from librarians, it's doing really well with a wide age range and is read on many different levels. So. Which is, that's great to hear. Yeah. And graphic novels in general do well with kids, so. So, that'll wrap up this one. So, <coughs> yep. did we, I know we talked before we started recording about, what we, do you actually want to have that be the next one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so we'll announce that. So next month it's going to be Daughters of the Dragon. <laughs> You're just excited to get Misty Knight. Yeah, well, I love Colleen, too. So that'll be uh, next month. And uh, until next time, bye. Bye. Tough Like a Girl is a Council of Geeks production and a presentation of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. Feedback can be left at fireandwaterpodcast.com or on the Facebook page for Fire and Water Podcast and Council of Geeks. Our logo art was created by Nick Buxom, and our theme music is composed and performed by Erica Dreisbach, whose other works can be found at ericaricardo.com. Bye! <laughs>